0: Good morning, good to be with you this morning, grab your Bible, turn with me to to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, if you have your phone, you can look at it there, it'll also be on the screen. Um, We're getting near the end of this series on formation, and we've explored a number of uh, disciplines or practices that that are helpful in shaping us as followers of Jesus. If you're a guest, if this is your first time with us today, um, I'm grateful that you would take a risk to show up to a community that you don't know, it takes a lot of courage, and it's kind of weird to show up in new places, so thanks for taking a risk. We are weird, so good luck with that. Uh, But we're doing our best to organize ourselves around the person of Jesus. Uh, That is our whole desire and hope and heart, because he came to save us, and he is worthy of it all, so... Uh, We're trying to organize our life around him, and it's helpful on this journey of organizing our life around Jesus to have some practices and tools, things that can help us in this process of being formed and being shaped. Uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I'm coaching my son's basketball team, and we have practices on Tuesdays and then games on Saturdays, and the whole purpose of organizing a practice on Tuesday is to prepare the kids for their game. And... uh, that's a process. Uh, And within practice, I implement a number of disciplines or little things that they can do that hopefully accomplish this purpose. And imagine this. Imagine if I showed up to practice this Tuesday uh, with my third and fourth grade kids, and I said, all right, guys, um, we've got a big game on Saturday, so I'm glad you're here. Who's ready to practice? They all get excited. And then I say, all right, ready break. Go figure it out. And I just let these third and fourth graders kind of do their own thing at practice. How well do you think that would help them get ready for the game on Saturday? I think it would be hilarious, but uh, (laughs) I don't think they would be any better for the game on Saturday. They need somebody to help them with that. I wonder if sometimes we approach our formation as followers of Jesus in this way. That we're all about Jesus, uh, and we believe that he came to save, we're all about being on his team. But then we throw out the practice plan, and we throw out the disciplines that actually shape us and form us into his likeness. We've developed this series, and we've devoted a couple of months to talking about these disciplines, not because the disciplines themselves save us, they do not save us, they form us. They, they shape us, they, they help us grow uh, and look more and more like Jesus. And we've covered a number of things, scripture reading, uh, prayer, worship, confession, generosity. Today the topic is serving. Uh, this is going to be very similar to last week's topic. Giving and serving are kind of combined, they're like the same thing. Uh, but serving is the topic. What does it mean to be formed by serving? Serving. And why do followers of Jesus, why do we as followers of Jesus care about being servants? I think I can personally, uh, at times, compartmentalize the idea of serving. For example, I can say, it's Sunday morning, I'm serving. Sunday morning, I serve on Sunday mornings. Or I serve at the soup kitchen on Saturday afternoon. Or, Or I serve... In an outreach event in our community, I signed up. I I followed John's advice. I signed up to serve and not get run over by a tree. (laughs) And this this allocates serving to a particular space and time. And then I can either feel like I'm accomplished in serving or I'm not doing well at serving. And I I think this is just a very narrow way to think about about serving. Like I said in the video, serving is not an event. Serving is a posture. It's It's a way of life. And so literally everywhere we are, we're called to be servants. It's not something we go to, it's not something we sign up for, it's something that we are as followers of Jesus. It's acknowledging that our very existence is a blessing from God and that we all have gifts, abilities, talents talents to, to offer for the good of others. Every single one of us in here does. I love how the author Richard Foster talks about the discipline of serving. He says this, when we see someone intently listening to another human being, we are witnessing service in action. When we see a person holding the sorrows of another in tender loving care, we're witnessing service in action. When we see someone actively guarding the reputation of others, we are witnessing service and action. When we see simple, everyday acts of kindness, we are witnessing service and action. It is these actions and many more like them that we begin to see a, get, get a picture of service. Today I want to just take a few moments to focus on, on the why. Why do we serve? Because you do not have to be a follower of Jesus to do many of the things that I just mentioned. You can believe whatever you want, and you can be somebody who's kind and caring, who shows up for others. And, and there's a lot of things that can motivate us to serve. You've probably been influenced by certain things that motivate you to serve. Guilt is a pretty big motivator. You ever felt guilty and like, I got to help out just because maybe, maybe think about your family situation, you like have to show up and help out with something because you have crazy amounts of guilt. <laughs> maybe you're motivated by rewards. Maybe, maybe you sign up to serve or you, you help out with something because you're getting something by serving. That's motivating. We do this with, like, with kids all the time, right? Go clean your room and then you can have the cake. That's motivating the kids to do something by a reward, right? Uh, we're motivated by security. There's a number of you that serve our, our country and we're motivated to protect and care for people. That's motivating. I want to keep my family safe. We're motivated by a reputation to serve. We want to have a, an, an image as somebody who's giving back to the community or to our family. And so that's, that's motivating. And each one of these things is, is highly motivating to get us to serve. But, but is that what it means to follow in the way of Jesus? To be motivated by guilt or to be motivated by rewards I'm not sure those things hit the mark. And eventually, each one of these things actually will heap a burden on you that's too much for you to carry. If those are your motivations. So what is our motivation? Let's read the text. John 13, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. A few things to note just in these first four verses that set the scene for a powerful lesson about serving. Uh, First, Jesus and the disciples, they were preparing for the feast of Passover. If you're not familiar with that, it's this yearly feast that the Jewish people gathered around to remember God's delivering work, that God showed up and saved them from slavery that he provided for them. And so everyone at this dinner in this story that we're reading was kind of in reflective mode because they had learned as kids and as they were growing up that during this feast, we remember what God has done to to save us. And so they're already kind of in reflective mode, remembering the power of God to save. It's also mentioned that Jesus was well aware that his life would soon come to an end. So Jesus himself, at this dinner, is knowing the time is short for him to be with his disciples. He'd come for a specific task, and that would soon be accomplished. We also learn that in the midst of something that God had ordained by sending his son to do this miraculous saving work, that there was an evil also at work. The enemy was present and twisting and manipulating our friend Judas, and lastly, John notes that Jesus, in this moment, is well aware that all power and authority has been handed to him. Not some, not a little bit, all all things are in his hands. All things. And so hold on to these things. His life is ending soon, the enemy is, is trying to work, He's holding all power and authority. From that position at this meal, what does Jesus do? Continuing the text. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So Jesus washed the feet of his disciples this last meal. Have you ever washed someone's feet? Let's let's be real. We're in the house of the Lord this morning. When's the last time you washed your own feet? Come on, you know you're in the shower. You're like, the soap's rolling down there. They're covered, right? (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong, right? I mean, the older I get, I turned 40 this year, by the way. And I'm like, those feet are a long way down. I'm 6'3". Those are a long way down there. Like, they're good. There's water on them. I've I've participated in a few foot washing uh, ceremonies over the years, and not one of them was welcomed. I'm just being honest. It wasn't something that I knew was happening or uh, that I was prepared for. They kind of happened to me. And the first time was on a missions trip when I was in the eighth grade. I joined with my sister's church out in Indianapolis to do a home build in Mexico. And so I was with complete strangers. And we slept in tents the whole week out in this dust field. And on the last day of the trip, the leader says, Hey, we're going to do something meaningful and powerful together. We're going to wash each other's feet. Did I mention these are complete strangers who had been sleeping in tents for four days with no shower? So here's what's going through my little eighth grade head. Two thoughts. One, how nasty are my feet right now? Like, they're, they're barking. They're bad. And two, I'm looking around this circle of strangers going, who am I going to have to wash? Like, this is... <laughs> it was one of the most humbling Like, overwhelmingly humbling and spiritually formative moments of my eighth grade life. To get down on my hands and knees and to wash somebody's feet, it it changed me. It did something inside of me. In Jesus' day, it was a little more normal to have your feet washed by others. It was a cultural norm... There would be servants in the house that when you entered somebody's house, you would have your feet washed because they wore sandals and they're walking on dusty roads and that's how they would keep their house semi-clean. And so you would get your feet washed when you entered the home. And this job was was reserved for the lowest of the low on the social scale. That, That was their job. So Jesus, the Lord of the universe, who has all things in his hands, gets down on his hands and knees to the lowest of the low and washes the feet of his disciples. He very intentionally took the posture of a servant. Continuing in verse 6, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You're clean, uh, but not every one of you. He kind of points to Judas. Maybe he didn't point, but (laughs) for he knew it was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, in in this story, Jesus gets to Peter, and he starts to wash his feet. Does anybody understand the struggle that Peter is in in this moment? If you're in Peter's shoes, are you having a hard time with this moment? Uh, This would have been difficult. As a disciple of Jesus, he'd left everything behind to follow in the way of Jesus, really to, to listen and obey. To Peter, it was like, I should be washing your feet. You are my rabbi. You're my teacher. And if you are the Savior of the world, what in the world is going on here? Let me wash your feet. But Jesus tells Peter if I do not wash you you'll have no share with me. I sat with this just this part of the text I, I, for hours this week. If I do not wash you you have no share with me. If I do not wash you you have no share with me. Peter at this moment was challenged to receive from Jesus something that didn't make any sense. It was really an act of surrender to submit his dirty feet into the hands of his master to be cleaned. It was a very vulnerable moment, right? That's exactly what Jesus was inviting Peter into. And the symbolism of this moment is so powerful. And if you're familiar with the text, you can see how big this story actually is. It's not just about dirty feet. Jesus is communicating to Peter, and now to us, salvation, the good news. That God came to make those who are dirty clean. That God came to wash us, to cleanse us, to purify us, to make us whole, to renew us. He came to serve sinners. That's us. That's me. That's you. That's everybody in the story. For Peter to participate in the life of Jesus, he had to receive what Jesus came to offer, which meant symbolically and literally in this story placing his dirty, smelly feet in the hands of his master. How are your feet today? Right? If you think about your life, how are your feet today? Pastor Amy mentioned this last week. It's difficult to give something away that we haven't received. And when it comes to the topic of serving, it appears that the starting point may be to recognize that the creator of the universe came to serve you. To get serving, we have to understand what our God did for us. Otherwise, we can move into guilt and looking for reward. We can, we can miss the point. Maybe the next step today is not to jump into some sort of activity or you know process, holding logs for John. Maybe that's not the next step. Maybe the next step, it could be... Maybe the next step is to get our feet in the water. Maybe the next step is is to understand that God sees you completely and says, Give me your life. Maybe maybe the next step is to trust that He can make us clean that he can redeem us, that he can restore us. I think we wrestle with that. John, you mentioned that. Like, we wrestle with this reality. It's unbelievable what he's done for us. The invitation from Jesus is to receive what only he can provide, and to do so we have to let go of our pride. We have to let go of our fears. We have to let go of whatever messages we've developed through our life and trust our mess in the hands of a loving Savior. And I can guarantee you, if you put your mess in the hands of a loving Savior, your life will be changed. That's just who he is. Let's continue. John uh, 13, verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. I love that. If I then, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me again. I see you, Judas. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Here's the beauty of Jesus' teaching, and it's not just John 13, it's just who he was. He lived what he taught. There was no separation between his words and his deeds. He was a completely integrated person. Everything he said matched up with everything that he did. He modeled with his life what he spoke. And he spoke what he modeled with his life. And after demonstrating to his disciples through washing, Jesus makes it incredibly plain. I mean, it's as plain as can be to follow him is to live a life of service. To follow Jesus is to serve. There's there's no separation. To follow in the way of Jesus is to serve. If we're not living a life of service, we're not following him. And the discipline of serving is not about gaining or proving or dealing with a guilty conscience. It's not an obligation. It's an act of gratitude and worship. It's It's a response To the goodness of God. We serve because Jesus serves us. This is, again, hard to wrap our head around. I was talking with my wife about this, and I had served uh, past tense. We serve because Jesus served us. And she said, it's actually serves. Since when has Jesus stopped showing up for you? (laughs) It's like, spot on, Katie. Well said. We serve because he serves us. If we can keep this in mind that, that our God is so present, and he's actively <laughs> taking our nasty feet in his hands, saying, If you can just trust me with your stuff, I'll make you whole. And I love the picture of this. He, he talks to Peter about uh, he only needs to wash his feet because his whole body's clean. So there's this, this picture of you're, you're saved, but every day you need to be cleaned up. Anybody? You're good. Like, if you put your trust in Jesus, you're good, but guess what? You're human, and and today, you probably, I mean, it's only 9.55. I'm guessing you need your feet cleaned already. I do, and Jesus says, all right, let's get in the bowl here. Let's get this done. Bring, Bring it to me. One of the most astounding things to me about this story in John 13 is knowing That Judas is present in this. If you're not familiar with the story, Judas is the guy who portrays Jesus, who sells him out. He's one of the disciples who lived life with him for years. He's the guy who goes to the the leaders and says, I'll I'll help you get this. I mean, not, it's the guy Jesus is kind of pointing to, right? Judas is around the table. Jesus washed Judas' feet, Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> that saying is somehow always comes to my brain and that's a worst one but <laughs> help me somebody think of another saying that I can throw in when I get to moments like that. <clears throat> this is this is incredibly powerful. Judas. Judas had his feet washed. <laughs> he, took, he got down on his hands and knees. And he literally took the feet of the one who would turn him over into his hands. That's enough to chew on for the rest of the week. This is a powerful message, just because it's not our job to decide who is worthy of service. Because the bottom line is, no one is worthy. There's no one that's worthy of service. It's our privilege to serve. Because the king of the universe laid down his life for us. It's a privilege. A couple things as we come to a close. Caitlin, you can come up and join me. The, The first is to ask ourselves, have I surrendered the dirty, broken, unhealed places of my heart to Jesus? Do I believe that Jesus came to serve me? And I mean that in a very personal way. Have I let Jesus symbolically take my feet in his hands? Have I I extended the vulnerability of my brokenness before my God and Savior? Because for some of us, I don't think the next step is to get busy serving. I think we'll miss the point entirely. And then we'll get caught up in a whole lot of other things that are not healthy for us. Trying to do too much and, you know, all of those other motivators. It, if we have not brought our heart before the, the Savior of the universe and received the gift of life and healing and restoration that he came to give us, our motivation to serve is going to be a little bit off. And we have to come back to that place regularly. So maybe, maybe today you're, you're in that spot. You would say... Um, there are things in my life that I have not surrendered. There are places in my life that I've not surrendered. There are, there are things going on in my life that I, I have tried to keep for myself or keep hidden. And the invitation of Jesus is, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Or maybe we've gotten busy trying to do all the right things, to Jesus. Maybe we've brought Jesus our best, or we've tried to bring Jesus our best on a regular basis. And you're just getting tired doing that because you keep falling short. <laughs> Can I encourage you today? Don't try to give your best to Jesus, although that's honoring. But surrender your worst and allow Jesus to change you. Obviously, Jesus deserves our best. He's worthy of it all. But the longer we hold on to the worst, thinking that we can somehow manage those things or fix those things, the more we stay bound up. So what do you need to bring to him today? Maybe you've already done that. If you've already placed your hands in the life of Jesus, um, then then you need to hold some logs this week. (laughs) The the next step is to think about, what ways can I serve? Again, not as an event, but think about your life. Think about the people in your life. Think about if you have kids, if you're married, if you have neighbors. Think about the people that you run into on a regular basis. What does it look like as a follower of Jesus to be a servant in every context that you walk in this week? You may be a teacher. You may may work on the base. you, You may... Uh, working a business in town. You may, you may be the uh, mom or dad that's at home with their kids. I, I was so convicted of this that I share this so much. So m- maybe I'm just slow and God's like, I'm trying to tell you. I was writing this message on Monday. Katie was, were you working Monday? Katie's working Monday. So I was writing this message uh, and, and parenting my two children. And they kept coming in to, to the office as I'm trying to write. And I was like, guys, I am trying to write a message right now on serving. <laughs> <laughs> all righty then. <laughs> message received, you know? It's, I think it's just silly how I can get into that. My kids deserve all of my attention. <laughs> Not that I can't do my job, but man... What a message. Like, they are a gift to me, and I get to be their father and be present with them. What a gift. I get to serve my kids. I get to serve my spouse. I I get to serve my friends and and my neighbors. Think about that in your arena. Don't, Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Don't try to do more than really you're supposed to do. Just think about the very simple things that come across Your life on a regular basis, how can you follow in the way of Jesus and be somebody who washes feet, who who just serves? Will you stand with me as I pray? Lord, we we thank you today that uh, you stand uh, above it all. You're sovereign and, and holy and perfect in all your ways. And, and yet you came and you humbled yourself. You didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but you humbled yourself and you became a servant to show us the way. It's unbelievable. Or this morning, if, if we need to simply bring our lives before you and say, Jesus, I need some cleaning up today. Would you give us the courage to just surrender and trust your goodness? Trust your care. Trust your love that can make us whole and Lord, if there's ways that that you have positioned us in families and in businesses and in neighborhoods to demonstrate your heart give us the boldness and courage to do so this week yeah. help us to trust you in in the small things and the big things lord i'm i'm grateful today for for so many ways that you you do that in this community already <laughs> We just praise you. You're worthy of it all today. We pray this in your name. Amen.